Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Francisco L. Borges and the Melville Charitable Trust. Before we say anything more, doctor, I I have to tell you, I'm still undecided about cosmetic surgery. Oh, don't be. You were absolutely right to come to me. I only hope it's not too late. Too late? How, How could it be too late? Because who knows what kind of inner psychic damage has been done to you by walking around with that pink and white face, that nose, those eyes. Miss Wolf, unlike a lot of other plastic surgeons, I am as concerned with the inner person as with the outer. And I know what your inner person is saying. It is saying, I am an abomination. I am loathsome. Please put an end to my wretched disfigurement. No, no, no. I'm pretty happy with the way I look. I get a lot of positive feedback about it. You are a very brave little girl. I'm going to show you a picture of the nose I have picked out for you. Consider it the first step in your long journey back from your current freakish life. That's not even a human nose. Correct. It's an otter, specifically the Asian hairy-nosed otter, once thought to be extinct. Why would I want an otter nose? Because people don't look very nice. You, for instance, are all... Pink and hairless and puffy and gah. It looks as if some horrible disease has caused your fur to fall out. I don't have fur. You will. That comes later, after the fox ears. I don't want fox ears. None of my patients do. But when I've drugged them and given them fox ears and they wake up... Well, actually, they're all still very unhappy. I'm, I'm baffled as to why. More research is needed. Okay, I'm backing slowly out of here while I tell you what's on today's show. The Nose is chiming in on the national conversation about Renee Zellweger and about a lot of other ways that women are fed strange messages about their looks. And now he told his surgeon, make me look like Honey Boo Boo, Colin McEnroe. you got to have something to aspire to, and they talk about getting younger. You know, I mean, who's younger than Honey Boo Boo? I love Greg Hill's uh, plastic surgeon voice. Um, I had a lot of trouble writing that for some reason. Um, but anyway, here we go. Uh, it's, we are talking about, uh, well, yeah, we were talking about exactly what the introduction just said we are. Uh, and so then appropriately, therefore, uh, we have all women panelists on the nose today. Once I realized that sort of Renee Zellweger, for better or for worse, by choice or otherwise, had set the national agenda for the week, uh, there was no other way to go with this. So joining us right now is uh, actress, comedian, dancer, dancer Braserio. She's doing something at the casinos tonight. I'm sure she'll explain it during the endorsements. Uh, comedian. Did I say comedian already? All yeah. right. Okay. You Carolyn Bates. That's enough. That's enough. That's <laughs> enough credentials anyway. Uh, everybody, the makes everybody else sound like they only do one thing. Um, <laughs> professor from Trinity College, Irene Vapoulos, and from Communication Strategies. I've actually now memorized uh. the name of it. Patty McQueen. All right, so as we go along here, we're going to be talking, we are going to start about talking, start talking about Renee Zellweger, because as of Tuesday morning, it was sort of clear this was coming up on the nose, uh, but uh, as we talk about it, you may call in. I feel, like you all, I feel like you will call in. 860-275-7266. 860-275-7266. I should say, we're not just talking about Renee Zellweger, but we suddenly realized once we all kind of gathered together in cyberspace... But there were a lot of stories, a lot of things going on like this. We didn't even need, 
the usual Irene Papoulis connection of a whole bunch of very disparate themes. The themes were pretty obviously connected. So we'll be talking about the Williams sisters and how they were defined uh, this week. We'll be talking about a very peculiar uh, video featuring little girls yelling the F word. We'll be talking uh, about Annie Lennox and Beyonce. It's just like, you know, we're just sisters here, just talking. Uh, so but we should talk. We'll, we will begin with Renee Zellweger, uh, to quote from Salon, the 45-year-old Oscar woman attended the 2014 L Women in Hollywood Awards on Monday night. And though the event drew many A-listers, it was Renee Zellweger, who's been out of the spotlight for the past several years, who created the biggest stir. I'll skip down. The mouth is, is the same. The body posture is the same. The blue of the eyes is the same. But the face itself is narrower. The famously squinty eyes wider. The skin taut. This is a woman writing essentially sympathetically about Renee Zellweger, by the way. The overall tone of the column is positive. To comment on the dramatic changes seems cruel, while not to comment would seem to be an act of absurd denial. Guess which option everybody in America <laughs> picked this week. Just take a wild guess. So, um, so I, I, Marine Pabulis, I will begin with you. So, uh, I, and I, I wish I had a more focused question because I'm a little bit puzzled by all this myself. Myself, why did we have, in Russell comedian Russell Brand's words, sixty nine thousand different mm -hmm. articles and pieces of commentary about this relatively modest occurrence in the life of the world? Um, yeah. Well. Because we're interested in women being looked at, you know, and, and it's just, it, I think it's so interesting how the way women are looked at has sort of changed in the past 30 or 40 years, but sort of not. And um, how, how would you say it sort of has? It, it sort of has in the sense that women have more power, much more power in our culture than they used to have in a lot of ways. Um, and, uh, you know, but, <clears throat> and so, but, and in a way, so when I was in college in the 70s, speaking as a, I, I have to look at this through myself as a baby boomer. Um, and, uh, you know, I think we had such a we, we had such visions of how, you know, women were going to be empowered. We would have imagined that 2014 would have consisted of all these women whose whose looks were far, far secondary to their achievements and that everything was going to be a feminist utopia by this point, you know, and <laughs> that didn't didn't happen that way. So that's my. It didn't it's not. <laughs> and it's, I think it's live? all distorted. It's so distorted and interesting. I was thinking I went through like the seven stages of looking at somebody with plastic surgery. You know, disgust, understanding, anger, envy, shame. You know, like this is just a white Grumpy, woman's concern. Dopey. Yeah. No, those are dwarves. I'm sorry. <laughs> Ending up in resignation. You know. But um, so there's 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 just so many and each of those is its own own direction. So okay, so that's where I'll start. All right, resignation. By the way, the least of favorite of, my, <laughs> of mine for the seven dwarfs. Uh, <laughs> never a very popular dwarf. Well, I you know I mean Patty McQueen. Women quote get younger unquote all the time. Right. This is a and nobody really talks about it very much. And and sometimes people talk about it in, in a very comfortable way. There was something about this that was different. Well, I think the big thing is that she doesn't look like Renee Zellweger. I mean, some people get even even um, Meg Ryan when she had all that work done still sort of looked like Meg Ryan. I think I think the biggest reason that it was news is that it doesn't look like her. And if you didn't tell me that that's who that was, I wouldn't have known. I mean, and she doesn't look younger. She doesn't. Right. She just looks like a different middle aged right. woman. Right. And I think you know, look at look at we we can embrace it. You know, Joan Rivers was the queen of, of the facelift, and, and it became part of her shtick. I mean, I, the, the freaky thing to me is that it's, it happens, and 
we're all sort of um, challenged not to notice it. And then when we do, we're chastised for noticing it. And then we, t- and, it, we and then we end up here. But are you saying that you think <laughs> here on the yeah, nose, here on the nose talking to you it's about like, it? It's Colin. like Sartre's no exit or something. <laughs> no. That's where you wind up at the end. You're stuck but, on the nose. And every week you end up but at Patty, the nose. But Patty, are you saying that you would be okay if you if we if we recognize that she was the old Renee Zellweger just looking a little younger or better? Well, I'm saying I'm saying there's something freaky about like her. All of us not acknowledging. I mean. The, People are are altering their faces with surgery, and you're supposed to look at them and say, "Oh, you look great." Well, you know, one and, one and of, not notice that they've had surgery. Yeah. One of the odd dynamics of the nose today is it's. Uh, if we were uh, going to title it a, as a movie, we could title it Three Baby Boomers and a Baby." Because um, <laughs> so, Carolyn, this this has got to look a little different. Speaking of the baby, the speaking of the baby, <laughs> going to the baby. Um, this has got to lo- look a little different to you. And first of all, are you envisioning? A better feminist utopia when you are, say, roughly the age uh, of all of us here. But, but that's not that's not even not my real question. I guess my real question is, you know, and, and so you're in the world of entertainment. Um, so, th- and I think what we're reacting to a little bit is, it, was there pressure felt by Renee Zellweger to look different, and where does that pressure come from? Everywhere. I I mean, I get it. I. When I saw this, I mean, when I saw these pictures, I probably spent two hours just staring at them. (laughs) And like Irene said, I mean, there were just these like stages. And at first I was just confused. Like I thought it was Robin Wright Penn. And then I realized it was Renee Zellweger. And I was just I I was confused. I was saddened. I was appalled. I was scared. Like everything. And (laughs) and and I began to just kind of sympathize with her because I get it. I, I have been to auditions where they're like, nope, we want someone taller, blonder, skinnier, prettier. I, I actually was, you know, asked to, to leave a job because I just wasn't hot enough by their standards. So and, and when that happened, there was a part of me that was like, OK, I need new everything. <laughs> you you <laughs> totally can understand how in the pressures where people are looking at you and where you're thinking about how, you know, from a camera, from any angle, you know, you're going to be captured and you know, if you have angles that you just don't like, you're like, well, I'll just stop that so that that's one less thing I have to worry about. But in her case, it's just utterly bizarre because as an actor, like, your face is so much a part of what you're doing. And I, I'm not even sure that, that her new face can move. I went through all the pictures, and she's kind of making all the same expression. And I wonder how this is going to play in her career. It, I mean, is she going to have the expression? Like, does it is it going to change Will she be getting I think work? The question is, what career is? I mean, she hasn't she hasn't done anything in a while. I mean, and that right. That's the part of it that's sort of sad to me. Well, is ma- that did she think this maybe is going to? She thinks she will. Well, uh, I, I do think that there's a phenomenon in our culture, and and this is where my heart goes out to Renee Zellweger. Although Renee Zellweger is fine, you know, I mean, she's made a whole bunch of money and stuff like that. But still, I mean, it's got to be hard. There's a phenomenon in our culture where actresses, in particular, they just disappear, uh, and they, I mean, they will just go away. Uh, and uh, I think one of the pieces we read, I think it was Amanda Hess's pieces, was talk- it was talking about how Renee Zellweger was the it girl one year, except before the year ended, the <laughs> same person, the same publication who'd pronounced her the it girl uh, said that Hope Davis was the it girl. She was the new Renee Zellweger. She didn't even get to be Renee Zellweger for an entire year. She, you know, Hope Davis took over. And Hope Davis is another actress who is, if not totally disappeared, you don't see her very much anymore. There's this, there is this kind of strange place, this, this 
Tibetan bardo, <laughs> you know, that women go, women actresses go into, where it's sort of nobody, they, they can't be sexualized anymore, but they're not quite old enough to play somebody's mother, <laughs> so they just disappear. And I just wonder where that comes from. Like, as a man, I don't feel like I don't want to see what Hope Davis looks like right now or what Renee Zellweger looks like. I mean, I don't... I don't think I mean I, I I like the way women look as they age, and I get that they're getting older, and they don't look the same as they did fifteen years ago. I just wonder, does it come from male culture? Does it come from female culture? Is it some who are the people telling you or implying to you that you need to change or you're not what they want, or where do those standards come from? I mean, I'm, I, I always wonder about that. I well, think it's the least common denominator in who yeah. you can sell things most to, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. So it, yeah, yeah. it's turned into you know the capitalist system. But I mean, I just saw Hamlet last week, and there's a line in there that the that the actor sort of played for a laugh, and the audience laughed when I saw it, where Hamlet is talking to his mother and asking, you know, talking about the, her marriage to her brother, et cetera, and he, you know, he says, "Well, at your age, it can't be sexuality." I mean, that's not the that, that, that's not a direct quote, yeah. but no, the audience just completely erupted in laughter the night that I saw it. So it's nothing new, right? The mm-hmm. idea that there's there's this it's it's kind of interesting that the, you know this idea that somehow women have this you know a golden moment, right? Um, after which that's it. It's not only actresses; it's every it's all of us. But isn't some of that 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 that. Um you know, women sort of have a longer shelf life, and so you have this feeling that you should th- that you should look a certain way for longer. Um, because you're going to live a little bit longer. Than I guess. I guess. I, I mean, it's something it. like. Well, look. I, you know, just just for me personally, mm-hmm. I started to get gray in my 30s, and I made a decision at some point just not to to color it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know anybody. I mean, I don't know that many people who don't do that. I can't tell you how many people have told me that I should. Think about coloring my hair because I would look better. <laughs> oh, and you're That's so kind of, gorgeous. It's kind, of a, it's kind of a nervy thing to say to somebody I anyway. Know. Well, I mean, when you think about it, you know, I, to me, one of the interesting movies about all this is Something's Gotta Give, with, uh, in which Diane Keaton, who as far as I can tell has not had any work done. I mean, she's going through life with the face God gave her. And, it, it, and, and Jack Nicholson, who really, I mean, sort of physically, if he weren't Jack Nicholson, I mean, he's no prize. You know, but the whole movie, (laughs) yeah, the whole movie is about you know whether Jack Nicholson can can reconcile himself to the ravages of age. Not that he sees in himself, but that he sees on the face of Diane Keaton. But I actually think it's a great movie in a lot of ways, and she's fabulous in it. And and it's plausible to me that Keanu Reeves's character is hot for her. And 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 so I mean, you know, in that universe, why does Renee, Renee Zellweger have to get turned into this? Android, but that's not the first time that movie. There, there's another Nicholson movie where with the one. Oh my! Now I'm having a senior moment, as and I don't remember. Yes, Him and Helen Hunt. oh my! God, that movie irritated me <laughs> to but, no end for that reason. It's like, are you serious? Like you would you would put her with him? But Blah. but it, but but it, uh, something's got to give is specifically about the question: Is a whim, can a woman still be attractive, dynamically attractive to a playboy, to a ladies' man, to a wolf? Um, well, yeah, it's called a cougar. Yeah. Right? Like, that's... But not if he's her age. No, yeah. I, I don't, I, is there a... 
word I, for that. <laughs> I, I, I think part of the problem... Age appropriate. <laughs> as I said, oh, it, no. <laughs> see, I also think, I think one of the reasons people are having a strange reaction to Renee Zellweger is not simply that she, quote-unquote, got younger, but the way that it came out, and you've all kind of alluded to it. To me, it really does remind me of this concept, as I said, it's something I sent around, uh, of the uncanny valley, the notion that if an artificial life form starts to look too human, we get freaked out by it. But I think also if a human being starts to look too artificial, we get freaked out by it too. There's something a little android-like about the pictures there. It's like she's, yeah, you're, I'm, I mean, there's, she's I'm trapped inside terrified. that terrified. Uh, like yeah. I said, I mean, that was part of what the, like, just looking at it was. I, I, I just was convinced. I was like, it, almost like she was a wax figure, like a Madame Tussaud figure. Well, there had to have been somebody out there saying, this is Renee Zellweger, because I can't imagine that people recognized oh, her I when did. she showed up. When out. I saw the photos, I knew right away who it was. I mean, you before, really? Yeah, even before I saw the... And I'm not really good at this. I have poor facial recognition. For example, I'm not even sure who you three people are. <laughs> um, uh, but, uh, no, but I'm I knew... I'm Carolyn Payne. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought, you know, I still recognize Renee Zellweger. I don't. I don't. I, I tried. I, I tried. No. I tried. I, I, I did this thing where I, you know, blocked off eyes and mouth and, yeah. and I couldn't see it. I mean, the eyes, I think, were the most disturbing yeah. change just because they were so drastically different than what had been such a signature to her. And, and I love when people have, like, I, I think there's just such beauty in quirky features yeah. or different mm-hmm. features and to change something that is so distinct to you like that but I think it inter- it is interesting too though to say well if she if she still looked the same but she just looked a little smoother in her face we would be fine with it as a country but the fact that she actually looks so different is the thing that tips it tips well, us over like the that, edge well, face off movie that <laughs> just I, I like she totally put on a different I don't face. think it's that we would be fine with it as a I just think it's it's a little more understandable all right understand. you know, okay I'd like to get rid of this right here you know if mm-hmm. I could just do this or if I could fix that that's one thing but to look like a different person is a little freaky. You know, uh, one thing that uh, earlier this week, for different reasons, I was yesterday actually for different reasons, I was thinking about iconic movie lines, like just things that you know that everybody knows, mo- movie lines that everybody knows. And Renee Zellweger has one. Uh, can anybody remember what it is? Because it's something people say all the time. That's too. why you knew who she was. You have a little Renee Zellweger <laughs> no? thing going on. No, she has an <laughs> iconic thing that I guarantee okay. you. Within the last six months, okay. you've said it, or you've or you've done it, uh, a trope that played on it. You had me at hello. Um, and so, and and that that line. Think about her face when she delivers yeah, that line. You can see her that, face. That you can see her face, right? Mm-hmm. And it's ju- it's so expressive. There's so much vulnerability in it. There's so uh, you know she's she's wearing about 18 different emotions on her face, and there's that little gasp that goes with it. You know, you had me at hello, and then you yeah, you look at that person that these pictures, and you think, can that actress ever emerge again from from all that strange artificial tautness? Um, why would she do it? It just seems so incredibly sad to think that she would want to do that. Uh, we got some tweets coming in. Dave M. says, I doubt Renee had a facelift. She appears to had, have had her eyes done, mostly removing the heavy brow. Amy tweets, I recall Jennifer Gray from Ferris Bueller's in Dirty Dancing getting plastic surgery and no longer looking like herself. It's sad. Uh, and Ovation tweets, the Zellweger effect is disturbing. I was thrilled to see her play strong women and find it upsetting that she's essentially gone. Um, um, we'll go to the phones here in a second too I think Patty you might have been the one who's this comes up again and again I mean Jennifer Grace somebody Ashley Judd somebody uh, people had um, 
it's kind of a different thing, but really sort of almost horrified reactions to Kim Novak uh, oh, uh, yeah. at the Academy Awards. And maybe just the problem is it isn't always done well. You put your, you're ultimately putting, you, you know, back to that question of your face, you're putting your face in the hands of, of a stranger and hoping that they get you and that they preserve enough of you so that you're recognizable, which is a strange thing to think about. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I really, I, I, we do have this conversation again and again. And I, you know, unfortunately for Renee Zellweger, she's sort of the biggest version of it right now. But, but you know, there was that, the Ashley Judd thing was a, was a big uh, discussion point. I think that, you know, part of the other problem was that she said, I think Zellweger put out that, that statement that said that we didn't recognize her because she was happy. She's happy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, like, I've that been happy, funny. too, and I'm pretty sure people still recognize me. <laughs> so it doesn't— She completely denied it. Yeah, yeah. There's just, it just seems sad. It's that, that seems sad to me. Um, but so all the other actresses deny it, you know. So she was trying right, to be and like, actually Judd, yeah. yeah, she yeah, wasn't very happy just, about it either. Yeah, I actually I have this signature memory of um, Leslie Stahl at a public appearance in Connecticut. It was that, that big YWCA lunch that they have every year, and she got up and said she she talked about getting younger. She said, you know, I got younger this year, and then she did like a whole riff about it. And I thought, wow, you so rarely do hear that, you know. I mean, she just she. I think it comes down to people who can have a sense of humor about themselves and are comfortable with themselves to begin with. Mm. Like, I, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm not opposed to, you know, I, I would think about it like in, you know, 40, 30 years, whatever. I mean, I would consider something, maybe in 10, who knows, you know. I get it. But, I mean, I wouldn't want a new face. I would just, you know, want to not have the wrinkles, like, you know, the crow's feet things, whatever. But, like, it, it's different when you do it and you're kind of, you're like, yeah, you know, I just I just wanted to look more awake or something. I mean, like not, but not awake, like to the extent where Renee Zellweger's eyes are like popping out. Now. Or, or she wanted to look more like the standard, you know, the sort of blonde, slim, big eyes, small nose standard, which is so narrow. I just wonder what pictures she went in with and mm. was like, I like this look. Like Robin Wright Penn. That that I yeah, honest, I thought yeah. it was Robin. You see, I don't want women to all look like Robin Wright Penn. <laughs> I want them to all look, you know, like Renee Zellweger. Like themselves. I'm pretty sure, like themselves. Yeah. Um, I'm also getting uh, messages on the on the screen from Wolfie, who's mentioning Portia de Rossi. Uh, oh. She writes, "Broke my heart. The difference in her face was so staggering that it distracted me while watching the last season of Arrested Development." And I think Carolyn really gets to something. You know, I mean, it's like that song, "I've grown accustomed to her <laughs> face." We do. We grown accustomed to people's faces and we like them if we like them we like their faces <laughs> and then they mess with it yeah. and it's like there's like it's almost like it's like a death in the family or something i do kind of feel like renee old. zellweger is dead like the renee zellweger that we oh, poor knew renee and loved is dead <laughs> that like, like, it's that's the worst thing anybody said all week <laughs> <laughs> people have said some pretty horrible things and still that's the worst thing anybody said and all how, but, but somehow they've decided that you know she's dead if she's if she's all wrinkly too you right. know people don't want to look at her People don't want to look at women that are all wrinkly. It's, uh, but you know, I think people see? do. Well, they do. I think or, they do. Well, but I someone, think, okay, I, I, I think people do also. I think it's but the big lie. It's yeah. the big lie. So, yeah. But everybody's buying into that big lie. I mean, I think it's interesting to see a movie like from Germany or something where there are there is a much greater variety in faces. And it's I, I find it startling when it, because it just forces you to realize how homogeneous all our actresses are. And it's awful. Well, there yeah. are women like like you know Helen Mirren and and Jessica Lange. I mean, there are plenty of women actresses that have aged gracefully and look lovely, and 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 I'm sure they do something. I mean, uh, I just don't believe Sandra Bullock 
just looks that great because she looks that great. But whoever's doing it does a good job. Neither does anybody else. In that article, (laughs) yeah, in that article, it said aging gracefully gracefully is a synonym for good plastic surgery. You know, as opposed to the bad plastic surgery. There's something about owning it though that's kind of that means something. Yeah. Uh, Let's grab a call from Brian in Wallingford. Hi, Brian. Hi, Colin. How are you? Uh, Just fine. I'm just curious. Uh, you can tell me with a straight face that you can put a picture of Renee Zellweger uh, from right now next to a picture of her from, say, November 2011 and say that is Renee Zellweger in that new picture? Oh, I, learned, I actually don't have a straight face, but I'm having some plastic surgery in a couple of months. So well, that I will have a straight face. It based on yeah. what she looks like. Um, the, uh, no, I just, I'm just saying that I knew who that was. When I saw the picture flash up there before I read who, I, just, I knew who it was. And I, I don't know why. I mean, because I agree that the transformation is, is enormous. Um, all right. You know what we should do is take a break here, gather ourselves up. Uh, we've got a bunch of other topics that all kind of tie into this one way or another. And <laughs> Chapdelaine is tweeting at us. Uh, I'll read the tweets when we get back. With the lifting of your eyes are relying on plastic surgery. Do you know you want to be? Yeah, you can change your nose like you change your clothes. Do you know who you want to be? All right, we're back. We're wrapping up our conversation about uh, plastic surgery, about Renee Zellweger. Renee Zellweger. Um, Jim Chapdelaine, occasional nose panelist, is tweeting, maybe, the, maybe these people, I think he's talking about these actresses, live in a ser- series of circles in which cosmetic surgery is increasingly normalized. To us schmoes, it seems freaky. Scott tweets, um, I thought she looked beautiful before. Now she's okay, blends into a crowd. See, this is the thing. If I were Renee Zellweger and I'd gone through all of the <laughs> money and just, I mean, I think it's really quite painful, I would imagine. It must and, be. And the recovery time is long and you have to sort of, I would be ready to jump off a building. Um, <laughs> all right, uh, and Sandy, somebody else mentioned uh, the change in Kenny Rogers. Yeah, mm-hmm. Kenny Rogers. Let's had talk a lot about done. set. He's yeah. had work done. Yeah. I, mean, I yeah. think when guys a have worked, but I think when guys have work done, nobody says anything. Oh, that's not true. Really, Bruce I Jenner. Don't think so. Bruce, Jen- okay, Bruce, Bruce Jenner. Jenner. Yeah. So uh, do, Burt pe- Reynolds. People make jokes yeah, about no. it. And they, okay, yeah, no. Yeah. Good. Oh, he did. Yeah. Burt Reynolds yeah. did it. Too. Looks like yeah. a burn victim. Okay. There's a joke. I guess I guess that proves me wrong right there. All right, so we're going to sort of shift gears a little bit here, uh, although not very much. So we've got a couple of little areas we wanted to get into. So um, uh, now I think we have to go to Annie Lennox and Beyonce. So um, Annie Lennox, the wonderful singer for the Eurythmics and then the wonderful singer on on her own, uh, found herself – I guess she was sort of stepping on her own foot and a little bit talking about Beyonce and talking about the question of whether or not Beyonce, who – did at uh, one point perform with just the words feminism all uh, lit up behind her, uh, whether she really was a uh, feminist. And she, uh, she Annie Lennox, uh, described Beyonce as fem- feminism light. Uh, and then she later defended her words saying, I was thinking at the time about the very impactful feminists that have dedicated their lives to the movement of liberating women and supporting women at the grassroots. And I was saying, well, that's one end of the spectrum. And then you have the other end of the spectrum. Uh, and a writer, another writer for Salon writes, I think we all understand what she's getting at. Beyonce hasn't dedicated her life to what is often thought of as traditional feminist activism. But she, there's also some question about whether or not 
and, and uh, Annie Lennox brought this up, whether or not Beyonce's exhibition of her incredible sexuality uh, is compatible with feminism. She later added, listen, listen, twerking is not feminism. It's not. It's not liberating. It's not empowering. It's a sexual thing that you're doing on a stage. It doesn't empower you. Uh, one writer says, did the world's feminists convene and finally settle once and for all the debate over whether a sexual thing you're doing on stage is feminist and forget to alert me? Nope. Just check. The jury is still out on that one. So, Irene, I'm going to make you start again. Okay. okay. It's, uh, it's a very, I think it's a very tricky, um, sort of tangled question because, I mean, I, can, I completely un, um, relate to Annie Lennox, who's had no work done, and I don't think she even dyes her hair, um, as far as I know. Patty, you think she has worked? No, 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 no. she hasn't, no, no, right? No, it's the hair. I'm to look at, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I recently saw, happened to see um, a, a, a video of a Jay-Z and Beyonce concert, and I, I couldn't help but, you know, my feminist heart was really twisted as I was watching that. You know, he's in front, fully clothed, you know, singing. She's in the back, extremely scantily clothed, writhing over a leather chair, you know, in a, in a very sort of super suggest suggestive way. And I can see looking at that and saying, Okay, she's empowering herself. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's that's true in some way. She's expressing something. She's exp but you know, I mean just uh, so I was thinking what if she were in the front fully clothed and he's in a speedo in the back riding over a leather chair, riding over a <laughs> riding or riding over a leather chair. Um we don't see that, you know, and there's something about her sort of so uh, in that sense I can I I'll start with saying that I can ins identify with her with Annie Lennox's first thought. Um, by the way, if you want to, if you want to comment on this, eight six zero two seven five seven two six six eight six zero two seven five seven two six six. And to set this up a little further, we do have a clip of Annie Lennox uh, trying to explain what she was talking about when she was talking about this. Question to put to me was, what do you think of Beyonce in the context of feminism? And I came back with a retort that was, well, I think you know. Beyonce is actually feminist light because I was thinking if you use that word in the opposite, heavy, feminist heavy, you're thinking about women like Eve Ensler who, who wrote the vagina monologues, who has campaigned and battled for feminist and women's rights for years. And so in contrast, I know these women at the grassroots level and they are, he they are re the real deal place. That's the real deal place. Entrenched. They're entrenched. Yes. They're working at the front lines uh, on a daily basis. So that was really what I was trying to say. It came across as if I was slighting Beyonce, which was not the case, not the intention whatsoever. I, I commend her. I didn't know that she had used the word feminist. I think it was great because she gave it a great platform. Fantastic. I commend her for using the word. And it would be wonderful to sit down with a lot of other artists, female artists, and not fight about it. Not come up, you know, with like a fisticuffs or something. That's, just, that's the last thing we need. One question I have, uh, Carolyn, is where are the front lines located? The front lines could be located in a small theater, you know, somewhere down around, you know, Alphabet City in New York, or they could be located at Madison Square Garden. You know, one thing about Beyonce is whatever she's doing, she's doing it for a lot of people. A lot of people are seeing it. So, I mean, that makes it interesting in a different way, too. Yeah, I think that, you know, one of the problems with feminism, when people go to define that or define themselves as a fem feminist, they tend to think that you have to kind of separate your sexuality as a woman from that. Like you, there, some people find it a problem to be like sexy, like a sexy woman and a feminist. Like that doesn't always go hand in hand in the way people see it. No, I think that's the criticism, but I don't think that's the issue. I mean, no one's saying that you, you shouldn't be sexy, sexy and have your sexuality. It's sort of like 
presenting yourself for the male gaze is the problem. It's not her own sexuality, you know, so so that's why it's tangled, you know? Yeah, but I think that if, in Beyonce's case, that she is trying to embrace that sexuality and make that this, like, feminist power. I mean, right. Beyonce, and, Beyonce's feminism has been called into question on other occasions, too, I mean, including the fact that at least one of her songs seems to speak almost kind of uncritically about some male-female violence uh, with her man, which a lot of people thought, well, that's not really very Yeah, I, I mean, and I guess, like, that single lady song is supposed to be some great, like, you know, girl anthem. I don't dig it. I, I guess, like, I kind of, I sort of agree with what Annie Lennox yeah. said. <laughs> well, I mean, here's, yeah. but here's a counter argument. Oh, go ahead. What were you going to say? Well, no, I, I mean, I, I listened to, you know, I sort of went back and looked through that stuff, and I thought it's kind of hard to disagree with with femini- feminism light. I mean, I don't is Beyonce really putting herself out there as a feminist? So well. why would she be so offended by that, or why would people be so offended? And I was, you know, it's too bad that that Annie Lennox thought she had to back it down a little bit because everything that she said made some sense to me. Well, one uh, here's the here's the counter argument that I would bring up. That one thing that Beyonce is doing, and, and I would agree, by the way. I mean, first of all, I think for a, a woman of her youth, she's still at the exploration stage, and a lot of her songs are about exploration too. They're about what it's like to feel really jealous, what it's like to feel. I mean, you know, all these incredible sort of roiling emotions that are part of being uh, a young a woman in the prime of her life. Not that we don't have roiling emotions here uh, at other stages of our lives, but you know what I'm saying. But here's here's the counter-argument that I would say, one of the things that Beyonce, I think, is effectively saying is, I'm extremely hot. I am putting myself, in all the ways that Irene is suggesting, on exhibition. But I I essentially own the company, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, I mean, Hugh Hefner isn't getting rich off this. Sure. I'm getting rich off this. I own it. I control it. I make the decisions about it. I make documentaries about myself. I'm a one-woman industry that's defining myself. I'm not letting anybody else define me. And I do think that's that, true. that in, in that way, I do think we have moved beyond, you know, the bra burning and the, and the first sort of uh, efforts to – to, to launch the the movement to get women, you know, better, uh, more rights, I mean, essentially is how it started out. So um, I think I think we've moved beyond that to, to people that are that are embracing their sexuality, but also being powerful uh, women and not saying that you have to look a certain way and present yourself in a certain way in order to, quote, embrace your sexuality. You know, I so I sort of. I can't help but think of Madonna in the 80s. You know, she was really embracing her sexuality. That seemed like it really was about her sexuality in a way that I don't feel like it's. this is necessarily about Beyonce's sexuality. It's more about her self-display, you know, and, and also encouraging all her millions of followers to, to feel like they're supposed to look like her. Um, I love the fact that other nose panelists are tweeting the show. <laughs> Teresa Kramer <laughs> tweets, there are few people more powerful than Beyonce. She is the product of feminism. Yeah. And it's nice to see her acknowledge it. Uh, Robertus, Robertus, not a nose panelist, who tweets, the young people are working so hard to eliminate the fear of the word feminist. Why do we have to define light and heavy versions? Um, you know, I just, I'm going to just jump us to one of our other topics because I think it links in right from where uh, Irene just was. And, and, because I think one thing that you can say about Beyonce that is that, that sort of clashes with an, another story that I'm about to bring up here is that she's still effectively kind of um, 
a white male-dominated culture's idea of beauty. She's an African-American woman, but um, w- w- this is my way of segueing into this uh, story we had about the Williams sisters, where this um, this is Serena and uh, Venus Williams. Uh, let me just sort of dial it up here. Where, in fact, um, in, in some commentary made by, actually, I think a Russian tennis official. Yeah, Russian Tennis Federation President Samil Tarpishev uh, referred to Serena and Venus as the Williams brothers on a talk show. Uh, but unlike other high-profile instances of body shaming, in one of the articles we read, uh, it said this one was met with international outcry. The Women's Tennis Association quickly, swiftly banned Tarpisha from any tour involvement with the WTA for a year. Uh, their chairman also said that Tarpisha's comments were insulting, demeaning, and have absolutely no place in our sport. Um, this is a really interesting article. I can't even remember who found it or sent it to us in the first place. But it, it, that's an interesting notion when you when you pair it up with Beyonce, because I, Beyonce ultimately, I think, conforms to a certain white-dominated aesthetic, whereas the Williams sisters, I think, are very beautiful, but they're very be- beautiful in a different way, and they're beautiful, I think, in a way that conforms more to um, an African-American uh, uh, aesthetic. And it's just interesting to see them get – see people still trying to define them that way. I mean, Williams – Well, just in hair alone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, Beyonce's hair, you know – Kind of says it all for me, you know. <laughs> so, hair does have a lot to say, <laughs> but but I it's not the first time that the that the Williams sisters have been referred to as uh, you know women trapped in men's bodies, or is it the other way around? I think it's funny that, the, you know, like the biggest insult you can give to a woman is to say she looks like a man and vice versa, you know, it's kind of an interesting phenomenon, but they're but, athletes, I know. Mm. You know, the, they're they're just incredibly muscular, strong athletes. Like they train. But they couldn't hard have those muscles that. if they weren't men. <laughs> I mean, that's the argument. The yeah. argument is that 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 they are so powerful. You know, look at that serve. That could only come from a man. Well, I don't think so. There's some kind of weird atavistic tripwire that gets kicked around this, and it's al- it's almost frightening to talk about it because you're worried that you could kick it yourself. I think the article that we read <laughs> talked about the fact that sometimes Michelle Obama gets talked about that way, that she's sort of bigger and stronger than what our idea of femininity is, that our f- idea of femininity doesn't include big and strong, which, again, I think – I sort of wonder where that comes from. I actually think Serena Williams is – you know, I mean, very cool looking. I really like the way she looks. I'm mean, trying not to get myself in too much trouble here, but um, <laughs> I, and Renee I is going to be very jealous. Yeah. I don't. I don't. Yeah, I don't think. I don't get that. You know, I mean, because we also you say you don't get it, but I mean, don't you? Don't you see that? So it permeates. I mean, that's why the man said it, right? They don't look like his idea of what women are supposed to lo- look like. So, but you don't. You, you, you There's a terrible Russian women joke that I'm not going to make. <laughs> <laughs> there are lots of jokes we're not making. Yeah, there's lots of jokes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and anyway, it's not true. Um, yeah, I, I, well, see, but see what you said again. Um, like, I like, I, like I don't see what he's saying. Yeah, yeah I, I know yeah, what he's yeah, saying. Yeah, you know. So you're, you, but you're saying. So you, you say you don't get it. You get it, but you don't think it's right. Yeah, right? I don't. I don't think it's true. I don't. I, at least I don't think. I mean, I, I, I don't think men have ever been pro- perhaps properly studied this way. And maybe it would be a big waste of time anyway. But I don't think men have this one uniform standard of beauty, this one uniform understanding of it. I think some aspect of the culture constantly insists that there is one. I think that men do have standards. A lot of guys feel insecure if they're shorter or if they're balding. And it's kind of the same thing. 
Actually, true, although guys assume women is, are just going to accept that. Really? <laughs> which they of, are. Which they do, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, but, but the way guys look at women, Caroline, Carolyn, like, do you think that, you know, you're saying that guys don't look at women with, do you think guys look at women with a certain a certain expectation of a certain kind of standard? Yes. Yeah. yes. So you're disagreeing with Colin. You yeah. know, I used to write for Cosmopolitan. Um, I wrote actually quite a while for Cosmo. And so one of the articles they assigned <laughs> to me was, boy, I'm really just uh, laying it all out here today, aren't I? Um, the, they assigned me the article. The, and they would, just, they would assign you the articles with just the title, you know, just what the headline was going to be. and that would be <laughs> Write the story a, to was, the headline. Right, exactly. <laughs> That's good. So the, the headline was, what he thinks the first time he sees you naked. That was the title. Oh, that was the kind of work I was doing. I like, had wow. to conceal my freelance writing career from my mother. How did you time. report that? Um, well, never mind how I reported it. But <laughs> what, what I, my initial theme, which I didn't really waver from, is most guys are so incredibly grateful to see any woman naked. You know, they're not going over you like you're the restyled Audi A2 or something, you know. Most most guys are thinking, I wonder if she knows she's naked. Because she, she'll probably put her clothes back on if she knows. I better not mention that she's naked because it's just so great that she's naked. You're um, such a baby see, boomer. I always felt like articles said things like that just to try to build your self-esteem. No, it's completely true. <laughs> yeah, but think, and when guys say things like that, I'm like, yeah, you're just wanting me to continue to be naked. Like, yeah. you're not, there's no, well, yeah. the well, standards <laughs> have dropped just because I'm naked right now. Yeah, if somebody sees Serena but, Williams naked, they're going to think, well, I wish she'd, you know, would lose a few pounds or something. No, nobody thinks that. Well, but I feel like I feel like the culture or the forces, you know, those nameless forces that Colin doesn't understand in our culture um, are training younger men, especially to feel like they're supposed to have those standards. You know, it's like it's embarrassing to be attracted to somebody who doesn't look like that because you're supposed to only be attracted to ah. this other kind and you're supposed to only you know, compare everyone to this other rigid, narrow standard. And they feel I think the young men that I see in my students and everything feel like they're, they're embarrassed if they're not only attracted so to that So they type. think that the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue, issue is sort of the coarse catalog for maleness. That yeah. That's, you know, that's the... It's and any, anyone who, who deviates from that is somehow not as good as they could have had. That's but, the syllabus for their male lives. But, but don't, I mean, this isn't a new issue. I think the, the, the bigger issue is sort of what we tell real people, you know, our kids, our mm-hmm. nieces, our nephews, our people around us to to feel good about who they are. I mean, there have always been these impossible standards. The Barbie doll has been around for a long time, and nobody looks like Barbie. So, well, some people look like Barbie. People look more and more Renee like Barbie. Zellweger looks yeah. like Maybe it's Barbie. Yes. So, but anyway, I digress. But it my is point, Barbie. But my, but my point is, I, I think it's, 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 it's what we do in the real world about it that's more important than whether or not, because we're always going to hold those standards. I'm wondering if I have time for the F-bomb girls right here. We'll have to do it really uh, fast. We love the F bomb girls. I do. Yeah. No, Irene, Irene and yes. I don't like. We don't, we don't <laughs> like the F bomb girls. All right, let me just right. quickly set this up. So there's this organization whose name I don't even think I can even say on the air, but it's like, never mind what it's called. So, um, but it's trying to call attention to some of the things we're talking about right now, but also violence towards women, objectification of women, the fact that women don't make as much money as because men. Because that's what all that stuff leads to. Yeah, all the big feminist letters written up by behind Beyonce, that's what this is all about. So, uh, the way they did it with, with, with these adorable, beautiful little girls, and they're all dressed pink and frilly and in princess costumes and stuff like that. Gloves. And, and they're just, and gloves and wands, and, and but they're just <laughs> dropping F-bombs. So, you're going to about to hear a little bit of it with uh, None of the F-bombs, uh, but so, but you, you now know what's being bleeped. Here we go. Pretty. <gasps> pretty. Pretty. What the f***? I'm not the pretty f***ing helpless 
princess in distress. I'm pretty powerful and ready for success. So what is more offensive? A little girl saying or the on equal and sexist way. Society treats girls and women. It's our future. So listen up, grown-ups. Here's some words more f***ed up than the word pay inequality. Women are paid 23% less than men for the exact same work. And women who graduate university... Okay, so these cute, cute, pretty little girls are saying all this stuff. Carolyn and Patty are cackling and <laughs> rubbing their hands together and getting very excited about this. Uh, and Irene and I are kind of holding our heads. Um, so let's, we have to go very quickly through this. But so, okay, so why, why do you think this is so great? I think that, you know, look at, I'm, you know, I swear like a truck driver myself. I, I, you know, lots of kids around me in my life, younger than that, have heard me swear and they giggle and laugh about it. And it's not like they haven't heard it. It's got a shock value to it that I think is kind of wonderful. And to people like me, I say, you know, I, it made me laugh, and we're talking about it. All right. Why didn't you like it? Uh, because I feel like it's exploiting the girls. You know, it's not their natural impulses. It's not something they really understand. But, you know, get them to say that, and they'll act the part, sure. You know, girls, you know, and they're very cute, and they're acting the part. But it just felt to me like... Uh, exploiting. If it had been 25-year-olds, it would have been great. But it wouldn't know? have been funny. But it, I, I agree yeah. with you, by the way. I'm, I'm yeah. totally with you on this. Carolyn, you get the last word. Please, I, no, to please don't make it be an F-bomb. Darn it. <laughs> um, I loved that. I, I actually liked the bleeped out version, too. I thought that that was <laughs> just as spectacular. But I, I disagree. I think that these kids do understand this. And I also thought it was great. It showed how... It, it is so amazing how just dropping the F-bomb in what you're saying just gives it that much more of a punch. Uh, it, it's just an interesting thing with the English language. If you Once you start you know, cursing like a sailor, people, people listen and take notice. But I, I thought it was a very effective way to get a video to go viral and to express that and, and get that out there and get people talking. All right, we have to stop there. We barely have time for endorsements. We'll take a break. We'll be back. Today's show was produced by, ah, dang it, I never should have let that surgeon talk me into antlers. They keep whacking into things, but I do look pretty hot. My milkshake brings all the moose to the yard. Today's show was produced by Betsy Kaplan and me. Our intern is John Francois. Greg Hill appeared in the intro and tweets for us at WNPR Colin, and the part of Bill Curry was played by Russell Brand. For show pages, articles, and before and after photos of the Faith Middleton Show staff, visit our website at WNPR.org. On Monday's show, The Scramble catches up with the weekend's news. And now, back to Colin. Her milkshake brings all the moose to the yard. When will I get over that song? All right, so um, it's time for the endorsements. We have to go relatively, yeah, we have to go very briskly, very fast, very fast endorsements. Uh, mine sort of plays off the, uh, the death this week of Ben Bradley, uh, former uh, editor of the Washington Post, and that is just, it's not something specific, it's just to say, you know, part of me went back and started looking through, you know, books that I had read, Catherine Graham's autobiography, All the President's Men. I think he came from a from an era of, of sort of rock star journalism that's really missing today, and I would just sort of encourage people to go 
look through his obituaries and, and, and that writing because I think it's worth remembering when we did it right. That's a really good endorsement. So uh, spend a little time thinking about what Ben Bradley actually was and meant. Irene. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to uh, endorse a not very well-known Renee Zellwinger movie called Down With Love that was a critical failure. But I thought it was hilarious, and I actually watched it last night to, to see if I still thought it was hilarious, and I did. But, I mean, it's a particular ta- – it, it's for people who like campy movies. It's a spoof of a sort of romantic comedy from the 60s, and, but it's, I think it's hilarious, and it's under completely misunderstood. I do not know this movie. I want to see this movie now. It is great. And Carol yeah. gasped with approval when you said I that. did. <laughs> um, my endorsement is if you want to see me tonight, I'll be hosting the fall fantasy event at Foxwoods Casino. So you can come down. There's giveaways and it's just all sorts of fun. Um, and also, you, uh, you might want to say a little bit more about this. About you hosting, this is like a comedy event. Yeah, yeah. and it's just they, people they might do, think it's just their fall fantasy. And, <laughs> they're going to be well, very they, they can think well. that too. That <laughs> will actually probably lure more people in. Yeah. <laughs> um, and also, I wanted to endorse um, the show. The comeback is making a comeback. I don't know if anyone had ever watched the show. It was with Lisa Kudrow. Oh yeah, it's uh, comedic genius, and it actually kind of ties into what we were talking about. She plays a actress. It's a parody of a reality show, and she plays an actress struggling with age in Hollywood and it's just hilarious how she creates this character and it's coming back and so revisit the uh, first season and watch this new coming one. All right. Uh, tonight, uh, I will not be your fall fantasy. I will be with Noam Chomsky, who's just not about fantasy, I don't think, uh, at um, Emanuel Congregational Church. It's actually a Mark Twain House event, uh, me and Noam in conversation. Um, I'm going to endorse the movie after you get to see, through seeing Irene's movie. You can see this on demand pretty easily, and a lot of the um, premium channels have it. The movie Rush, which I had not seen when it came out. It's about uh, Formula One drivers. I have no interest in Formula One driving. It is riveting. It's a, directed by Ron Howard. has a cast of very few. I mean, Chris Helmsworth is the biggest known actor, and he's not that well-known. He's Thor. Uh, it's terrific. It's really interesting. It's, it's, uh, it's about a lot of things, too. It's, a, it's actually sort of about looks in some ways, but about male looks uh, in, in a kind of interesting way. The last thing, I thought I should endorse something about Renee, too, but I couldn't really think of anything except that uh, even though my, ha- my hangout is Cafe Sophia in West Harvard Center, um, I had um, a latte this week from Cafe Renee over on uh, Park Road, and they really do, they take coffee really seriously over there. I sort of got into this weird coffee snob thing when I was in Montreal a few weeks ago, and I realized that uh, even though I love hanging around at Cafe Sophia, if you wanted to really get serious about coffee, you need to leave West Harford Center and go over to Park Road and have a latte at Cafe Rene where they are. They are keeping it real. What Did I say Cafe Rene? Okay. Oh, Jay Rene. Jay Rene. Well, it's a good thing you said that. I didn't even know that. All right, so we're done. Thank you very much. We'll be back on Monday. Okay, Mrs. Potato Head, what don't you like about yourself? Well, Doctor, sometimes when I'm feeling threatened, I can be condescending, and I know that that's not right. No, 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 no. I mean your face. Oh, well, my nose, eyes, and lips are fine, but can you do something about the potato?